The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I am DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engaged. I'm a Wall Street alum, a LinkedIn top voice, and I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hey there, DC Marshall. I'm Mita Malik, a business leader, a DEI champion, and most importantly, a mom. My superpower is storytelling. And Mita and I, we started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplaces from my perspective as a Black woman and from Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. At our table, we unpack it all. We don't leave any juicy detail out. And then we provide you the tips that you need on not how to survive, but how to thrive in organizations. So Mita, why don't you tell them what we're talking about today? Today, Dee, I want to talk about something so many of us ask ourselves during the course of our careers. Why am I being micromanaged? Why, why, why (laughs) am I being micromanaged? Dee, oof. Oh my goodness. You know, if I had to say one thing about being micromanaged, I think it's lack of trust. Just not Mm. trusting. Yeah. Not trusting. I mean, I think this is everybody's story that we've all had and experience a manager that micromanage. And I've had experiences before I started the company and early in my career, I had a manager and she micromanaged. But what I later learned, it was more her personality and her neediness um, Mm. versus lack of trust. Yeah. So I have, you know, a few different perspectives on being micromanaged. Some of it, I think, when it comes to women of color, I think uh, there's a lot to, um, that we're going to unpack here on the show today. But I think on the surface, there's a lack of trust for some managers. And then for some, it's personality. And then for some, there's need. So those are my initial thoughts. When I think about micromanagement for me personally, there's no quicker way to kill the joy in my work than by micromanaging me. There's no quicker way to kill my spirit and passion for what you hired me to do. Yeah. Whether that's especially in our new ways of working, mm-hmm. texting, slacking, zooming, emailing, where are you? Micromanaging, the monitoring, and also just redoing the work. Why did you hire me then? You hire talent to do the work, don't do their job for them. And I'll never forget, I've had so many micromanagement stories, but this one. Oh, Lord, I had this boss and he would ask me to print out proposals and recommendations that we were putting together. And he would sit there and make me sit there. And I'll never forget. It was like with a red line and he would redline these documents, but it's not for strategic purposes. It was like, instead of the strategy, we should say the priority. Instead of the initiative, we say the project. It was like wordsmithing. And literally, the reason I remember this is because we would be sitting at the circular table 
and I had a 5.15 train to catch. I had a long commute. And inevitably, he would start this at like 4.30. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And he would sit there. And it was the most demotivating feeling because he yeah. wasn't like, like you were saying. There are times when this is our job as leaders. Yeah. We are here to serve our teams. We're here to make them better. Right. And it wasn't strategic input. It wasn't coaching on repositioning. It wasn't, let's think of the proposal in a different way. Oh no, it was with the red pen. Oh my God, D, with the red pen, I would sit there. Oh my gosh, red afraid pen. Afraid that I would miss my train as he's like <laughs> red redlining pen. and rewriting the whole thing. I'm like, why did you have me put this together? Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you what else comes up for me. And I think this is a lesson for everybody. So women of color, allies, for all. So much of this is a lack of self-awareness, EQ, mm-hmm. not doing our own work to develop as professionals and to develop as leaders to become better. Um, and and so that's where a lot of, I think, the, the, the flag on the field, the foul, if you will, it comes from, one part of it is this, this, um, exclusive behavior, right, in the workplace. Yes. And, and you know, the fact that people of color, women of color have different experiences and treated differently. Yes, mm-hmm. that is a thing. But on the other side, there is also a lack of doing our own work in terms of personal development, sure. right? Because that's personal. The fact that his behavior or posture is at 4.30 and to sit there and what is it within him in terms of who he is, you know, yes. how he shows up in the world that has to sit there and like in that experience of red pen and, you know, yes. it, it, listen, if I put my therapist hat on, like, what is it in that red pen and having to change this word over that word? And I'm oh sure the God. therapist here, psychologist here would say, yeah, that's flag for or indicative of this sort of personality type or this sort of trauma or issue. And look, don't no emails on, well, D, that's extreme. No, I'm just saying <laughs> part of this is doing our own work. True. Absolutely. Personally and professionally. And then I'm going to be quite honest. As a leader today, it says more about you and your leadership ability. When you bring somebody in 30 minutes before the end of their work day, Yes. And you're not sensitive to that. Listen, I run a business. I've got a team. And certainly there are times when we have deadlines and there are things that we need to do, but that's the exception. It's not the, it's not going to be the rule, right? So we're not going to have a theme. I'm not going to have a theme of bringing people in 30 minutes before. And I know she has a commute is that just, that's not good. And I'm not going to be in the habit of marking up a document and I hired this person for the genius that she is. And I've got to sit here with her like she's a child. So somebody say out, say out your amen in podcast land and BTT nation out your amen. Like they're a child. I've got to sit here and mark up red pins. Actually, actually red pin says K through 12 red pen is K through 12. What are we fourth grade? Also, it would drive me crazy because it wasn't just, it just wasn't sustainable. Why are we printing out all this stuff every day? But you know what you bring up? You brought up a few things for me. He had a very easy commute. His commute was like very local. I had over a 90 minute commute. 
because this was in deep Jersey and I lived in the city at the time. There's this control piece too, right? And the anxiety the control, of him, him, him marking up the stuff, number one, and micromanaging, yeah. but also like, yeah. I have to now tell him again, D, I'll say D, D, I have a train to catch. Remember, I've got the commute. And, oh and we had like a shuttle. So like at some point from the company corporate shuttle, if you miss the shuttle, you know, how are you going to get to the train station? I guess you would Uber it. But anyways, yeah, the other thing wow. I do want to mention is that he was a white man. And I just thought about this. This just hit me. Do you know in my career in corporate America, you know, I've worked in a lot of spaces and places. I've only worked for one person of color my entire career. One. Wow. I wow. just thought about this. That's, well, that's, that's why you have all the stories. That's oh. why you have all the stories. <laughs> People ask it like, you have a very colorful or a lot. Well, this is why. This is why. One. This is why. And, we'll and nobody... I want to talk about this in a future episode. It was a woman of color who was my manager who was not very well liked. That's a whole other story. But literally, and then I think about the other time I was severely micromanaged by this white woman. This is a good one. She would, this is different. She would bring in the entire team when we were doing brand planning presentation. She would sit there and have the deck up on the screen and we'd have to wordsmith. Can you, D, D, could you go to slide four and make, make the, make the, make the 24 point font 28? No. Go back to Make a bold. Wait, wait. Bold italic. Okay. Oh no. Okay. Expand this font. Let's let's change no. the bullets to numbers. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> I was literally. This would again inevitably happen. Guess when it would happen? On our summer Fridays when we're supposed to leave the office by twelve. Yeah. At eleven yeah. o'clock, yeah. she rolls in, brings in the team. I would. I literally was like, "Am I losing my mind?" I'm like looking around the room. Am I the only one that thinks that this is a colossal waste of time that you're sitting there micromanaging, having everyone change the fonts? And again, it's not the job of a leader is you look at that brand plan presentation and you say, how can I make it better? What kind of advice can I provide in terms of coaching, different solutions? You know, this recommendation, you could position this differently. Yeah. You should ask actually ask for more budget. That's the stuff you want to hear from your bosses, not the 24 point font to 28. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is too much. And because you know what? Let me give the flip side. Just say, hey guys, <laughs> can somebody fix the fonts and send it back? I mean, like, you don't, we don't need to talk about it, but you know, I've said that to my team. I'm like, hey, yeah, can you can y'all check the Oh no, fonts? but this was also a preference. Let's just say, let me just be clear. Because you work, you own your, you run your own company and you have a lot of Fortune 10, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 clients you're working with. You have a brand and a style. I get it. You have a template, you have a format. No, no, this was her like, oh, just like it wasn't a company template. It was just like she wanted to, ch- I mean, I can't. It's just not a good use of time. Actually, it's not a good use of time and it's a flag. It's a flag. So again, this is, this is more man. Okay. So, uh, uh, number one, this is the difference between a manager 
and a leader. And so being micromanaged is really the work, I'm going to be quite honest, or the posture of a lot of managers. Because managers, the traditional definition is they are monitoring and controlling, right? And so maybe the definition of management, so for all of those who are writing curriculum for MBAs or studying MBA, that probably needs to be challenged because it is plan, monitor, control, manage, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. something like that. It's those four elements. And so managers have the responsibility, but not the responsibility of micromanaging. And so I I think for everybody here at BTT Nation, it's do you want to be a leader? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be a manager? Because I really think there's an opportunity for anybody here who's saying, ouch, say out your amen, say ouch if you know this is you. But if you know that it's you, then how how do you how do you come out of that? And you yeah. want to come out of it so that you can be better, do better, and mm-hmm. go higher in your career. It's just because guess what? Folks are talking about y'all. We're talking, listen, we're talking about you here on this show. Okay. <laughs> we you. are talking about, let I mean, take look at TikTok is talking about y'all and we're over here talking yeah. about you. We just make it constructive, right? Uh, Mita as a senior executive can hide out over here and me with our CEO hat on, we do this work. So, but we just carry over our girlfriend conversations to make it valuable and useful for our audience. Um, But I just say that to encourage you, if you are a manager, your job may be to manage, but really might I encourage you to aspire as a leader and and really to step into that and and do not do this nonsense because we're going to talk about you here. We're talking about you. Yes, we're judging. We're judging you. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. uh, We'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. The story I shared about the 24 to 28 point font, 26 point font, whatever it was, that memory is so vivid for me, right? These like soul-crushing experiences you have. I remember it was like it was yesterday. But what I want to ask you about, D, is somebody once said this to me. I once said, I think it was to a colleague, I was like, why does X person micromanage so much? Like, why are they always focused on my details? They're not competent at their job. They actually don't know how to do their job. They don't know how to focus on the strategy. 
So they're constantly getting in the weeds of the details of what their team should be doing. So that's another flag. I think there's the therapy piece, as you brought up, like the control piece. But I also think there's a conversation around competency. And I think there are people who fail upward and they continue to get promoted and they're actually not equipped or haven't been positioned well to do the job. And so all they can do then is micromanage their teams because they can't do their job because they're not, they haven't, they're not skilled to do it in some cases. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a lot there. The insecurity, right, of not knowing. Yes. I think you you said it, but in other words, it's looking busy. I've got to find something to do. Ooh, um, I love that. Right? Looking busy. The looking yes. busy. That's a thing. Yeah, looking busy. Yes. Uh, the art of looking busy or or appearing to be productive. The art oh, of looking oh, wait, busy. Oh, did I say something? Was that some, some, some drip? drip? <laughs> I'm going to write that down. The art of looking. Oh my God, D, that is. Woof. Oh, is that something? Okay, hashtag. I don't know. That just hit me. That just hit me. The art of busy. looking busy. Okay. Yes. You know what? Um, sidebar, I, yeah, I witnessed a behavior a while ago and I couldn't put my finger on this one kind of behavior, professional behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I finally figured out it was if looking busy was a person, because it was a lot of this kind of energy. And I was just like, <laughs> This is nerve wracking, but in any event, let me go back. So it's the insecurity that looking busy, it's the control, like, you know, that definitely, I think for some people solves and resolves some insecurity issues. If I could be in control of this thing, but then there's also a resistance. So some may identify with resistance being keeping you off your task or off your real work in doing other things. So other things. So there's resistance. That's a whole nother episode. Um, Finding work, finding work to do, like finding things that kind of bring you away from what you're really supposed to do. And the last one is, it's when the manager, that micromanaging, it's the manager is really the student. Let me say that again. Say it again. The person who is micromanaging you is actually becoming or has become your student. They just don't know it. Yes. So it's the fine tooth comb of, of looking through and reviewing and wanting to sit and share space in a review of redlining, of feedback. They are, I'm going to say, borrowing your genius, borrowing your energy. Come on, DC Marshall! borrowing your genius, your energy, your mindset, they're tapping in. And and they, yes, mic drop, mic drop. Want, want pro, super producers, mic drop. Where is the boss of this show? Well, actually, we're the boss. But super- <laughs> you just said exactly what I was thinking because, you know, at our table, one of the reasons we started the show was to talk about all the things women of color face in their careers at work that people aren't saying out loud. Micromanagement happens to everyone. I'm not going to deny that or try to minimize anyone else's yes. experience. But I would say for me, as a woman of color, and what it has meant for me to be micromanaged in my career, I just told you, in my entire career, I've had one person of color who I reported into. I have always reported into white leaders, except this one person. Control, right? Controlling of me, controlling of my schedule, borrowing genius. Oh my God. We've talked so much about people wanting to take credit for my work and all those things. But the other thing that just showed up for me is this idea of all of a sudden I'm doing really well because you hired me 
to do all of these things and I'm doing really well and other leaders are getting wind of it. And so now all of a sudden the boss wants to micromanage and come in on the project. Well, what is me doing? What's happening? You're not collaborating enough more. You need to give me the deck. I need to see what these recommendations are. And I'm like, I'm just, you hired me to do this job. I'm just doing what you told me to do, right? And so then it's like, you're like, why why am I being micromanaged, Matt, now? Like, am I doing... Because then you think you're doing something wrong because then I automatically go to, if D starts micromanaging me, did I make mistakes? Am I not doing my job correctly? Am I missing the mark? What's happening here? But what you said is just so important because it is different as a woman of color to be micromanaged. It is different. Yeah, and let me say this about that being, it's it's different. I love that you acknowledge, yes, we are talking about everybody has had experiences yeah, of micromanaging. Of so that is not just a lived experience or work experience of women of color, but it is a different experience for us. And for this reason, psychological safety, it's psych safety, the emotional tax, right? That is part of what contributes to this thing known, it's right, research back. It's known to be an emotional tax, meaning the additional that women of color have to pay to show up every day and work in a space that is exclusive um, or where we have to manage, posture, moderate, and try to fit in, align, you know, assimilate because we're managing all of these other dynamics. And, you know, I will say this last thing before I know we're going to go to tips. So much of this is well-intentioned, right? The good intent, because I had a manager, let's call her Nancy. She wasn't even my direct manager. She was a matrix reporting and I hated her. She was very controlling. She was the micro. And I think I've told this story before. Do you know she ended up nominating me for yes, a big president award. You Nancy, remember that? Yes, Nancy. Nancy. Yes, I Nancy. loved her for that. And it helped yes. me to really understand and give grace to some of this is not exclusive racist behavior. Yes. Some of it is, and some of it is bias and stereotypes. I agree. And, back know, to your but, intent. But some of right. this, my Nancy, and even yes. my first mentor, Dr. Steve, I mean, Dr. Steve was complete opposite. Remember I told you he was white, male, married, Jewish. Yes. I'm single, black, female, Baptist. And he was, the, he called me Bubala, which is a Jewish yes. term yes. of endearment, which is why I associate my WBs. Like you got to find, you know, you'll find some good WBs, some good BGs. But of my course. point is, Nancy, I I so appreciate, respected. I came to understand her better, that her micromanaging was, I'm going to anchor it. It was just her personality style, her leadership style. So let's, let's leave space for leadership style, management style versus which a lot of what you all know we talk about and I talk about is I really enter at the place of our experiences are different and they are, uh, you know, we deal with so much racism. Yeah. The question is, are you an equal opportunity micromanager, which you need to work on, or are you selectively micromanaging? So I feel like I have been selectively micromanaged on my, in my career in different moments when I didn't notice that happening to the other people on my team, my peers who were white men and white women. So that to me is the difference. Ask yourself, allies listening in, listen up. 
are you selectively micromanaging? And who are you micromanaging and why? Because it goes back to Dee's point about trust. Do you trust me less? And why do you trust me less? Where does that come from, that lack of trust? Where does it come from? Yep. Okay, Dee, as always, we're out of time. Amazing conversation. We want to leave everyone with tips. I'm going to turn it over to Dee, who's going to leave two tips on what to do if you are being micromanaged. All right. And so tip number one, I think coming into a new role or even during performance reviews or even as you go, um, but definitely it's better on the front end, ask for clarity in work style and expectation. So that's number one, ask for clarity in expectations. And within that conversation, ask, how do you work best? Or how, what would you like to see in terms of how we work together? So that's number one. And then number two, it's okay to share how you work best or how you work better. And that could be, tell me what the outcome is that we're looking for. Uh, Tell me what success looks like here. And I will get us to goal. Mita, I'm going to hand over to you for number three. Yes, friend. Okay, number three is for allies and leaders listening up. Evaluate your leadership style, your management style, as Dee said. Do you micromanage everyone? And let's just say, Dee, we didn't talk this episode. Some people in their careers need more support in micromanagement, and that's okay. But the question you have to ask yourself, leaders, do you micromanage everyone or do you selectively micromanage? And we're going to leave it there. Dee, I just love doing this podcast with you. Thank you so much, friend. Thank you to all of our listeners. If you like this episode, please share it with someone who needs community and conversation today. And we will see you next time. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.roundtabletalkpodcast.com.